0: The word expedition sounds so cool, doesn't it? Very cool. It makes me think of travel and beautiful ecosystems and animals I've never seen in person. Normally, I think of going far away to somewhere I've never been. But what if I told you there were expeditions you can have right near home? Ooh, tell me more. I'm Gabby Salazar. And I'm Unazza Alam. And we're National Geographic Explorers. And we get the question all the time. How do you become an explorer? And what does an explorer do? Well we're going to tell you. Today we're talking to Mallory Dimmitt, who is an expedition leader. I honestly didn't know that was a job you could have. So she spends her time in tropical forests and swamps and faraway places? Well, yes to swamps and tropical forests, but where she leads her expeditions is actually pretty close to her home. In fact, it's in her home state of Florida. But to understand what Mallory's doing, you first have to understand what the Florida Wildlife Corridor is.
1: The Florida Wildlife Corridor is an 18 million acre land conservation vision that seeks to connect, protect, and restore the remaining lands across the entire state of Florida from south to north and east to west.
0: So the point of the corridor is what? To preserve wilderness? Kind of. As we learn more about the natural world, we've realized that we can't just have a wilderness area where all animals are supposed to stay. Animals like humans move throughout their lives. Sometimes they migrate. Sometimes they have babies in one area and raise them in another. A wildlife corridor is a way to connect the existing conservation areas so animals can move from one area to another while staying healthy and safe. I get it. For years, conservationists in Florida have been working to create corridors that wildlife can use throughout the state, and they call it the Florida Wildlife Corridor. What kind of animals are we talking about here? Well, Mallory can tell you about a couple.
1: In Florida, we have both Florida black bears and Florida panthers, which are some of our most wide ranging species that need a large home range just for their everyday activities of going about their livelihoods. But we also have a lot of animals that move that you might not have thought about, such as manatees and fish in our springs and freshwater rivers connecting to the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean. So, you know, manatees have a regular movement cycle as well. If you think about birds, many of our bird species are migratory and one that we often use and think about is the swallowtail kite, which has a large journey where they gather in Florida in the summertime before migrating south to South America and over the Andes Mountains into parts of Brazil. And then they make their way back to Florida in the springtime and arrive usually starting in about March. It's always exciting when you see your first swallowtail kite of the year. I saw mine this year in March. And many of our past expeditions, we have seen swallowtail kites circling overhead or somewhere along our journeys. And they're, they're just always a, a sight to see to give reverence to this majestic bird.
0: Wow. So, Florida black bears, panthers, manatees, swallowtailed kites? Yeah. And that's only some of the species that use this corridor. Florida is also the only place in the world where alligators and crocodiles live together. I didn't know that. So, what's the goal of the expeditions that Mallory leads?
1: Well, the goals of the expeditions are really multifold. And one part of it is just to show off Florida's backyard. We always say that the Florida Wildlife Border is hiding in plain sight. And as an expedition leader, my role is to help people who don't know a lot or think necessarily know a lot about Florida's wild places um, or think that it's particularly wild to understand to sort of capture their imagination and intrigue and wanting to know more about the wild places in Florida and ultimately wanting to see them protected. So our expedition served to create a base of support for the conservation work of the corridor, and that has turned into wanting to formally recognize and and protect the 18 million acres of the Florida wildlife corridor. So on expedition, what we actually do is travel much like a Florida black bear or Florida panther would. Um, We're hiking on foot human powered and moving a, a number of miles each day towards our destination and we do that day after day in and out until we cover a lot of ground by the end of each expedition. We also sometimes use bicycles or kayaks and paddle boards so always under our own self-power not motorized but we're going through areas that that wildlife um, would use and oftentimes using paths that that wildlife would also use.
0: And the team has traveled really far like really far.
1: We've completed a number of expeditions to date, and our first two were really long 1000 mile treks each. So we've traveled over 2200 miles together, um, and now we work on shorter kind of week long expeditions that are much different from those original 1000 mile treks. So on our first 1,000-mile trek, I came along. I was not the leader, but I participated in many different weeks of that trek, not every part of it. And I was so inspired by the work that I wanted to plan and lead the next one. So that first journey inspired a second 1,000-mile trek, and I was the expedition planner and leader for that, and then for some of the short expeditions that followed. And now my goal as a leader is to inspire others to undertake their own expeditions, and they've been leading our most recent treks, which is really wonderful to get a chance to just show up. Um, not be responsible for the planning of all the details.
0: Wow, that's a long way. To give you something to compare it to, New York City is about 2,700 miles from Los Angeles, California, if you travel by road. Yikes, that's a lot of ground to cover. But it's so cool that Mallory got to do this for a job. What kind of things do you have to do to get the expedition going? I'm so glad you asked.
1: Part of the role of an expedition leader is to coordinate all of the various activities of the team. And we've divvied those responsibilities up ahead of time, but it takes daily checking in to make sure someone is, you know, shopping for the groceries that we need. We have a plan to cook and feed everybody on the team, but also things like just working through the mapping of where we're going each day and the route planning coordinating with the landowners and permission for access, as well as with the various land managers and meeting up with people along the way who explain the science to us or are communicating through us to other audiences. So a big part of the work is the media aspect of each of these expeditions and telling the story of where we are and why it matters to the public. And that's a big part of the content creation that we do along the way even um, working from our tents at night to write our blog pieces or articles speaking with reporters along the way and then inviting our elected officials to join up with us as well on some of our expeditions we've had weekly trail mixers where we've invited the public to join us for short parts of the expedition so they got to come along and that was on a set schedule and it was important for us that we made all the distance that we needed to in between those trail mixers so that we could be there um, to greet the team and It's kind of a coordination puzzle piece. And and all day, every day, even while we're underway, um, the expedition leader is making sure all the pieces are moving and synchronized.
0: So Mallory had to coordinate all of those things and make sure they happened and happened at the right time. And then she also hiked and canoed and biked the trails herself. So what I'm hearing is that it takes a lot of planning and hiking, but a lot of the work is storytelling. She wants to make sure people know about how amazing the wildlife in Florida is and she wants people to care about protecting it. Absolutely. And she's often the only woman on these expeditions. Ah, here's where we get to the challenges part. Well, in her own words, Mallory doesn't really see it as a challenge.
1: Going on expedition as the only female, I've never really thought of as a big deal. And my two colleagues who have done most of these expeditions are sort of like my brothers. So it's oftentimes I think of it as going on expedition with your family members and just like other members of your family you know their personalities so well and you know that um you know what people are thinking even before they say their words and um what's needed and how we can pitch in and support each other so that's what it's like when we're on expedition um and being the the only woman does not hold me back in any way
0: wow it's great that Mallory has colleagues she feels comfortable with so what is the challenge what do you mean there's always a challenge like freezing cold temperatures or oh, maybe it's the gators. I'm not
1: really scared of alligators. I do get asked this question a lot, um, but while we're hiking along or underway, we're generally making a lot of noise and uh, wildlife in general are getting out of our way, scared more by us. So, so far on our expeditions, we've never had any scare related to wildlife. And when we do see gators, they're mostly basking in the sun um, on the shore. And as we come around the corner, they they see us far in advance, get scared, and move into the water and underneath, and we travel overhead.
0: Okay, it has to be something. Traveling over 2,000 miles isn't enough of a challenge? You know what I mean. Well, I'll let Mallory tell you.
1: Florida can sometimes be very hard for biting insects, like mosquitoes, so oftentimes we plan our expeditions to be timed in the winter, when there's less bug pressure, lesser amounts of bugs, and that's part of one of our, our tools to avoid biting insects.
0: Ah, yes. Bugs. I
1: hate bugs. For example, in the Everglades, and places in South Florida, it doesn't necessarily freeze. Where where you might live, it probably gets cold enough in the winter that it kills off insects at that time of year. But we don't really have that in Florida. And also, we know to think about the times when insects are bad, like at dawn and at dusk. Um, So, it's particularly bad in the dusk hour, and sometimes we have to retreat into our tents and wait that out and then come back out at night when the insect pressure is less less bad. Also along the way, we do, we do wear clothing just to help protect us from insect bites wherever we are and whatever time of year. So it's oftentimes long sleeves and long pants um, just to protect yourselves from mosquitoes, but also ticks, biting flies, other insects.
0: Yeah, that's challenging. I find it challenging just to hear about. I thought you would. Did I ever tell you I'm allergic to mosquito bites? What? Seriously? Seriously. I would not enjoy that amount of bugs for sure. You'd be one giant allergic reaction. Oof, I'm feeling itchy just thinking about it. Can we move on, please? Oh, yeah, sorry. We also asked Mallory about what she learned on the expeditions.
1: One of the biggest lessons I've learned about planning expeditions is just that the more work you do up front and to plan the expedition, the more benefits you can reap from each trek itself. And so... I think that is a good, good life lesson, just that the work you put in upfront helps you really maximize the opportunity in terms of for expeditions, meeting with additional people along the way who add so much richness to the story can help interpret a place for you and making time for a lot of fun along the way. So on our expeditions, we plan in downtimes for fun and, um, and we also try to make sure we're actually enjoying each of the places that we travel to and appreciating them. So along the way, we've done things like like play football, frisbee, go off of rope swings, just just things that you do on a daily basis while you're traveling that just add that fun element and um, have a little downtime and a lot of laughter together. Another thing that I think is an important expedition skill is being flexible. So along the route that we planned out far in advance sometimes things go wrong and we have to make adjustments along the way. So for example, in one of our expeditions, there was a really large wildfire that had um, expanded to the area we were planning to be traveling through. And we had to go, so the national forest was closed to access and we had to go far around it and actually finish our expedition by paddling upstream on a river instead of trekking through the forest. So those are just the kind of things you have to be ready for and able to respond to and work all the logistics around um, which we did from a campsite and around a campfire as we made a new plan um, for the for the final week of the
0: track. Mallory does have one thing she would take with her on every expedition.
1: I drink black tea and I'm always carrying around a tea mug for me like many people would have their coffee cup in the morning. I take it with me and um, drink water out of it the rest of the day and then also carry water bottles. So you'll never see me without those. I
0: love that Mallory uses her athletic abilities to contribute to conservation. It just goes to show that everyone has something to contribute, for sure. And she has some great advice for kids who want to do the same.
1: My advice for anyone who's interested in expeditions or just whatever you're going to do in life is to follow your passions and continue to pursue them. For me, that was really all about kayaking. And I learned to whitewater kayak at summer camp, fell in love with it, and then built that skill to higher levels. So traveling around the country and paddling different rivers turned into the skills that were needed to plan multi-day expeditions. Um, As you start planning those kind of river trips and travel you know that's that's all that's a lot of the same work that i do now another important thing i' i've learned along the way is just to have trust in your in your teammates and your friends that you know that are going to make good companions and to build those relationships over time um, so that you know who you can rely on in any line of work and and um and also who who will be fun to spend a lot of time with um, sometimes under difficult condi- conditions and so that's a big part of being an, on an expedition team together
0: that's great. Now I want to plan an expedition. Where should we go, Gabby? The Amazon? Borneo? Oh wait, there's a lot of mosquitoes there. Thanks for listening, future explorers. If you want to learn more about Mallory Dimmitt and her work, check out the book No Boundaries about women scientists and explorers. It was written by me, Gabby Salazar, and my fellow explorer, Claire Fiesler, and it's available wherever books are sold.
2: That's it for this episode. If you'd like to find out what you can do to help the Florida Wildlife Corridor, you can grab a parent and go to floridawildlifecorridor.org. Get ready for the next episode, where we talk to someone who digs up ancient reptiles for a living. How We Explore is hosted by Gabby Salazar and Manaza Alam. This podcast was written by Allison Shaw and Emily Everhart. Rebecca Cunningham is our audio producer, and Claire Fiesler is our editorial consultant and field recording specialist. Music composed by IJo Leo, with guitar by Axel Borgmo. Curtis Cross is our audio engineer. Gabby Salazar is our producer, and Emily Everhart is our executive producer. Special thanks to all interviewees for agreeing to participate in this project.